What is crack-a-lacking, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli coming at you with my certified fantabulous thermonuclear AF, since I didn't just say that at the intro for some reason, co-host Grant Hughes. Before we get started with a bunch of ground to cover on this one podcast or two podcasts, whatever it winds up becoming, please remember to subscribe to us wherever you are consuming us. Hit that sub button on YouTube, like and comment, help the algorithm love us back. Please continue subscribing on your podcast players as well. Um, we appreciate ratings and reviews on Apple right now. There is like, we've had Knicks fans downvoting us. I don't even know what we said about the Knicks lately. I mentioned this on the last podcast, um, but they've been downvoting us for a little bit. So we can get some five-star ratings and reviews. That would be great. Join our discord. The link to that is in the podcast and YouTube descriptions. Follow our socials. We are at hardwood Knox on Twitter and TikTok, And we are at hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram. Uh, all that out of the way though. We asked the question everyone's dying to know. Grant, how many full body pull ups did you do today? Well, Dan, they were ring muscle ups. So, ring first, muscle of, ups. first of all, right. how dare you? Uh, and I'd never done one before and I did three today. So, uh, you that know, it just sounds like four too many. Everyone take the day off work tomorrow in celebration and it'll be like a national holiday by like next year, probably. That is the, that's not, that's the necessary amount of information. I did a TMI segment where I talked about my return to eating the other mm. day when you weren't on. Um, oh, you did tell So the people know about your ridiculous binging. Be, yes, because uh, we had, I got DMs from people who I guess actually watch us on YouTube. So shout out to them. Uh, but it wasn't a bunch. It was like a half dozen or so people over the past couple months asking if I was sick mm-hmm. because like, there's like, you look like you, some of them said you look terrible. Um, and like they've lost a lot of weight. And so I was like, I felt obligated to give an explanation, but I was also just, I was hopped up on cheesecake sure. when I recorded it. So I was going to, I was going to overshare. I'm disappointed. It wouldn't it be funny if if the next set of those were like, Dan, are you okay? It looks like you ate 14 family sized cheesecakes, and you could then say, first, I mean, it was 12. So like, how dare you? <laughs> yeah, that's it, you it don't look seven. like you ate a whole bunch of cheesecakes. You look you look like a normal person. I don't know. I don't know. I, we'll see what we'll see what the people say. It's it's yeah, possible. Maybe that- you sh- I've seen because I saw myself every day. I didn't notice it. And then when I looked at progress photos, I was like, that's what made me say something. I was like, oh, holy fuck. Because people came up to me at the gym asking if I was sick too. And my family members were like, do you have cancer? Like, and I'm not, I don't mean to make light of cancer, but I'm like, no. So that made me, but like you see me once a week, like maybe you didn't notice it. But like when I looked side to side, but I feel like I, I three straight days of eating cheesecake and I'm like 48 hours removed from it and back on the, the diet grind. I, I still feel like I'm hopped up on cheesecake. Yeah. I mean, if anyone asks you if you're sick, you can, you got to turn it around on them and say like, the only thing sick about me is the pump I just got, or, you know, you got to, there's got to be better ways to say that in the, in, in, you know, the gym community, but you got to flip it around. The, I will pro tip the one day binge pump and the two day cheesecake binge pump are next level. That third day, there's going to be no pump. <laughs> Eat a fitness cheesecake pump. That's, that's it. You cracked it. Uh, this is a basketball podcast, rumor has sure. it. So let, let's get to some basketball. And so in lieu of a traditional mailbag, I didn't throw out a solicitation because we had straggler questions we didn't get to. And because there was a segment proposed by Real Syrup 2219 in Discord, uh, they gave us 12 topics to start with. So if, if listeners like this and we make it sort of a semi-regular occurrence, let us know what you think. But the segment is called That's Something or That's Stupid. Now, I purposely didn't look at any of these things in depth. Like, I saw them when they came in, but I wanted to react to them in real time. I just figured it could be interesting. Is that something or is that something stupid? And so I guess this is the 
inaugural debut of that something or that stupid and hat tip to real syrup 2219 for it. Mm -hmm. And also again, thank you to real syrup for, for the, for the idea, but like, sorry that we're going to say half your ideas are stupid and, but that's those are the parameters you gave us. No offense. That's just how it's going to be. I don't know what percentage the breakdown will be, but some of these are going to be stupid and we're going to have to say so. So, you know, sorry for you, but, but also thank you. Yes, we're very appreciative, and now we're about to probably dump all over a couple of these. So let's mm-hmm. get started. I'll I'll go with the first one. That's something or that's stupid. The NBA should look at rule changes to cut down on the reliance of the three ball so it's less of a make or miss league. So I'm going to say that's stupid uh, because it feels a little bit like a criticism that was arising, you know, what, four or five years ago? I feel like it was very much tied to the Rockets and just all they do is shoot threes and then all everybody does is shoot threes now. And so I guess if, and and the lack of offensive diversity was a downside, but that was kind of, we kind of put the lie to that. You know, there's enough diversity in offense and all that stuff. But the crazy thing about the make or miss league thing, which is real, I don't know if you saw this, Fred Katz, the Knicks writer for The Athletic and Seth Partnow, they dug through the numbers and, 26% of teams that have had double digit leads have lost that game this year. I don't know how that compares historically, but like, so, so it's only three out of four times you're up double digits in the game. Do you win? That feels crazy. That feels yeah. like high variance. And I also say that's kind of exciting. So, so that's why I'm going stupid. I think, I think that the three's not going anywhere because it makes the game a higher variance game. And I think the NBA likes that. I would agree. And I was going to go with the higher variance thing. And I also think there's an overstated, amount of people who think like every offense is homogenous. It's the way that you're taking, maybe your shot profile looks a little bit similar, but the method by which you get to those shots, I do feel like is, is not uniform and like not even close to uniform where there's not a bunch of the 2018, 19 Houston Rockets running around out there. Like the closest you come is probably whatever the Mavericks are fucking doing right now. Yeah. Right. Uh, So I'll take the second one. Uh, We, which by which is meant to say fans, media, basically everyone who doesn't work in a front office should talk more about how fun and unique teams and players are and less about how good, how dominant and championship contendery they are. Something or stupid. That's something because there's more to an NBA season than is this team a contender or not, especially when they're not built to be one. And so like, why are we evaluating the, like, why, why is Oklahoma city, which shouldn't have been a punchline to start the season. Why are they a punchline? Because they're going through a thorough rebuild with the angle of trying to contend for something bigger than whatever the hell the, you know, the Knicks and the Hornets aspire to be. But I will say, I'm, I don't want to tell people how to fan either. And so like, if you're okay with, I'm going to use the Knicks as an example, because I'm a Knicks fan. I'm not okay with what they're doing. I think they've been very entertaining this year. Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson both might be all-stars, but like, I don't see the path for them to get to that next level. I just, I don't see it. And I would rather see them strip it down and start over. Don't tell me I'm wrong. That's how I want. I'm not saying that that's what they need to do. That's what I would do if I was in charge. And if you're someone who enjoys that, I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. But if you want to look at this through the lens of, well, is this team building towards contender status? You don't have to. We don't have to fucking masturbate over everything. Good. That happens just because a team won 37 games instead of 29. And so if you're not, if you're an analyst or you're a fan and you want to criticize a team that feels like it really is headed towards the middle and you're going to come up with valid points, I think we need to be more accepting of that too. Yeah, I think that's definitely something. I, I agree with you. I think also I'd add that like, it's it's just easier to talk in terms of like, who's great, who's contending, who's not. 
if you're talking about the entire league than it is to know, well, when this guy gets downhill going right and he has this one move that he does, like that's cool and fun. You know that if you watch 82 games of a team and you can appreciate that and you can anticipate it and be like just little niche things, that's where the fun tends to be. Unless you're just talking about broad strokes, like this team plays a fun style. They run a lot. Like that's, that's a way to do it. And, and, you just can't do that if you're trying to talk about the team or uh, the league as a whole, or like how teams are organized. And it's just a question of like, I'm th- I'm speaking from more of the media perspective. Uh, Cause as a fan, I kind of am, I'm, I'm half with you and half not like, I like appreciating the aesthetics and the fun, but I also like want my team to be acting intelligently in pursuit of a championship. But it's just like the media is the media side of it. It really just depends on who your audience is. Like if you're, say employed by the team and you're doing the post game show for the Knicks, for example, like you have a, a specific slant and you might say someone's a wannabe all-star just to do <laughs> some really dated month old information. Like your audience is real different and they want different things. Like they want their team pumped up. They want the positivity. I think most people, some people want people just honesty, I think in analysis of their team, but I do agree that it's more, it can be a lot more interesting if you're just approaching it from like, Hey, you know what's cool about this? X, Y, Z. Because that's just, that's more, that's more fun. That's more positive. It's, it's different than what's this team's net rating versus this team's, you know, that's so, that can be really dry sometimes. As an aggrieved national blog person, I would like to say, I wish we were more accepting of the national slants now where it's, Hey, congratulations that if you're a Pistons fan that you've watched more Killian Hayes than us, like that's kind of your job. And it's very hard to cover these 30 teams. And as long as we're not coming from what is clearly disingenuous territory, uh, I just like the conversation we had about the Nuggets defense. I went off and I won't do it anymore on YouTube, but people claiming that our takes were surface level. And I was like, Grant was on here talking about fucking pick and roll coverages. If that's surface level to you, then that's great. Then go find your content elsewhere. Like you don't have to consume it. And I know negative reactions are going to always engender more of a response than the positive ones. And I enjoy the compliments. That's what discord is for. And when people are nice, like I really appreciate it. It keeps us going. And I, I don't expect that to be all the interactions, but like, it's okay to not watch every game of every team twice and still be able to form an opinion on what's happening. Recognize that we're giving you the, the zoomed out view of teams for the most part. When we do our deep dives into certain things, like, yeah, that's when we're trying to be more thorough than we're, like, we're not trying to cover every single team in the league during this podcast. Like we do for certain segments. So like, that's the stuff that I still just get. I know localized coverage is so good. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. And I try it's to make the that best. clear. It's the best. It's- if you want to know about your team, follow the beat writers, follow, you know, and sprinkle the in podcast some- stuff too. And you mentioned if you want positive coverage, honest coverage, or even like sort of the, the masochist coverage, it's all out there and separating yeah. these podcasts. And so you can get all those different slants. That's what makes it does drive me to be better more and more thorough in my opinion, but like, you're still just, it's not going to be at the level of like, I'm never going to understand the suns, like the timeline podcast or the thunder, like the uncontested podcast or the Timberwolves, like the Dane Moore NBA show. Like I'm just never, I'm not watching them enough. And like, I find those shows enjoyable too. Like, cause you get a lot of insight into those teams there. So it's, yes, it's our responsibility to at least do our best to like get a, a pulse on the league and what's happening with each team. But like also kind of recognize like, this isn't the easiest thing to do. I'm all, I marvel at how some of our many, so many of our discord members know so much about each team. And they're just like, Oh, this isn't your full-time job. 
I agree right. with that. So like yeah. there's a there's a little bit of the the woe is me, like I need to shut the fuck up here because I get paid to do this is like full time for a living and I still feel overwhelmed. And there are people who do it just as sort of a hobby. So like that impresses me, but like it's also not easy to have what I would say is an accurate pulse, not like a hundred percent unequivocally correct take on every single aspect of every single team, but it's tough to get like a a, a pulse worthwhile pulse on 30 different fucking organizations. That's yeah. my that's my mini rant. Woe is me is all I heard from that. So we can move on to the next one. The next one is the NBA should abolish the coaches challenge. That's something or that's stupid. I think it's something only because I don't want it totally just thrown out, but I would like a tweak. And I think, I think probably what's going to happen eventually is we'll get some equivalent to VAR and soccer where it's just like, there's someone up there in the booth that's reviewing. It's trickier because in soccer, there can be stoppages and you're adding extra time for all this, you know, in between the ball going out of bounds and all this other stuff. But I would like there to just be like a neutral, not neutral, but employed by the league, third party, sort of have that with the replay center. But someone that's maybe in the arena that is just right there looking at, you know, a block charge call that looked bang, bang. I don't know how you determine what's getting looked at and what's not, but, you know, just making just so we don't have to deal with, you know, every questionable call in the first quarter, whoever committed the fouls going like this over, I'm spinning my hand in the air to the coach and the coaches are all looking at him like, are you fucking serious? We're not going to review this first, you know, team foul four minutes into the game. I just want it sort of smoother, more impartial, less sort of let's confer with, you know, the video review teams on each bench and figure it out. I like it. I like the idea, but the goal has just always been to get it right. So however you can do that is great. I think the current system is okay, but it's like definitely could be better. So I'd say it's something. I was about to lean towards that stupid because I think coaches need to keep their challenge if they get it right. But the, what you just outlined where, and I have thought this too, there's a way to accelerate this while prioritizing yeah. accuracy in more situations. I know there's not as many stoppages in the NBA, but like we don't need to have the reviews last long. So I'm going to say that's something. There's an alternative way to do it to where maybe you don't even need the coaches challenge. Like if your priority is accuracy, you could just do this from the NBA's home base in Secaucus, New Jersey, and I'm sure they have all these angles that even if it has a stoppage, it's going to be a shorter stoppage than what we're dealing now with so many of these coaches' challenges. Yeah, it's just the, the trick is really deciding when to like put the machine in motion as far as reviewing a call because that's the best part about the league is the up and down action, and there's not a lot of rest. You know, Things happen quickly. There's fluidity. If you're not careful, you can disrupt that, and I think like – that would have a 0% approval rating if we had more stoppages and longer stoppages because everyone agrees that those those suck. We hate those. Um, the next one is players should not be allowed to talk to the refs during the game. Coaches can lobby on behalf of their team. We have advocates now instead of players. Ooh, that's stupid. There had, like there's, and this is, I'm, I'm going to remove the, the drama that is incited from some of these interactions, which makes for great content and talking yeah. points. You just can't like, we're going to deal with so many more technicals and ejections. If they're actively not allowed to talk to refs, nobody's listening to that. And so like even trying to enforce that uniformity, I think would be bad for basketball. I do think there's something to like, you came up with the rule change of where the ref can challenge you. Um, <laughs> And if you're wrong on like that argument, like you get a technical or whatever, a flagrant. Two fouls. Yeah, two, two fouls. fouls. And so like, let's do that. Like, let, let's do that. So I don't think you can prevent players from talking to refs. I do think there's probably, refs will tell you that they've had productive conversations with players and there's like real 
rational discourse happening. It's the heated moments that go viral. I'm like, look, that's also kind of part of the game. It's like, I enjoy like the refs animatedly throwing someone out sometimes. And no, I don't ever want it to impact the outcome of a game, but sometimes where the outcome's already done, like we see like, you know, Draymond might be most likely to get tossed when the Warriors are down like 12 with 30 seconds left. Like he might be the player most likely to do that. Uh, if there's a way though, to just get guys to stop complaining so frequently to where sometimes I actively wonder for someone like a Luka Doncic or even at points in his career, LeBron James, where it's like, are you just trying to figure out a way to not get back on defense and hide the fact that you're not trying to run up and down the floor right now? That shit bothers me. But I, I don't think we can get to a point where the ref shouldn't be allowed to, to talk to players. Yeah, there's I, I I think it's stupid. There is just something kind of icky about like weirdly paternalistic about you're not allowed to speak to the authority figure at all. Right. Like that's that's kind of I don't know how if I like the look of that, but I, I just I don't know. I I feel like the amount of like aggrieved outbursts is is at an all time high. And it's almost like everyone is taking the Chris Paul thing to the furthest extreme where if you just complain or talk to the ref about every single call you sort of and Draymond does this too where like you you just automatically get more rope be, and you and like your high points of of being aggrieved like you just get away with more it's almost like you know there's holding on every play in the NFL or or like how the Pistons years ago would just foul on every play because they can't call them all there's like a volume approach to it and I hate that I don't like the especially when it's just so obvious that you know, the player is wrong. Um, but I don't know how you, especially in the heat of competition, how you make it. So guys just don't talk. It's like, it just seems almost impossible. Yeah. I'd be totally with you there. Let's get to this next one. This is interesting player. Um, sorry. If you fall down, you aren't eligible to draw a foul unless it's, unless it's a flagrant, that's something or that's stupid. That's stupid. Cause I don't understand like what, so a charge, like, can you not, can it not be a drawn foul uh, if you get, unless you fall over on a charge. And then what if like you're off balance and you get knocked down by a common foul, that's not a foul unless someone is excessively and unnecessarily to use the rule book, uh, like hitting you in the face or that's, that's, I'm not sure what we're going for. So, so I'm going, do, I'm going with that stupid. I, I think we're going for trying to figure out a way to in, like enforce monitor, or just completely abolish flopping. Yeah. Would be my guess here. And so I, I'm going to say that's stupid. And I think that there should just be harsher penalties and more consistency with which it's enforced for flopping. And like, the, I like the no call when there's a flop rather than like mm -hmm. stopping action and calling a foul for a flop, let the play unfold and then give free throws to the team or maybe give them double possession or just something wild. Um, because flopping is so like, it's sometimes, yeah, it's funny. Like I still, I won't go back and watch, but like that Marcus smart dolphin mash. Have you ever seen it? It was just oh, yeah, like, one, great. one of just the, the best treasures on the internet. So I think that's stupid. If you want to figure out a way to stop flopping, like let's just make the penalties for it harsher and actively enforced on a more consistent basis. So again, to invoke soccer, because I, and I just, I'm convinced that because soccer is so much older and has worked through all these problems, like a hundred years before basketball has that a lot of the solutions are there. If there's a, like a foul in soccer, a lot of times the referees will just let the, the team that possesses the ball play on. And just, if they have an advantage, they get to exploit that advantage somehow. And then, you know, you'll have a stoppage later where there'll be a free kick or whatever. I don't know how you do that in basketball, but it's the same thing you're talking about. It's the no call. Like if, if the team, you know, if the offensive player is fouled and, 
or, or just it's hard to incorporate it with flops. But basically, if you have an advantage, you should be allowed to sort of exploit that until the sort of chance is over. And then you can just call the foul or whatever. Um, this is another foul based one. Uh, all intentional fouls should be considered take fouls. Stupid or something. That's stupid. I think because like I know people don't like to watch it, but there is something to extending the game and maybe trying to spur a comeback and strategy when you're getting into crunch time. And especially when you're trailing, um, I, would you want to see something like this? If it's the team that's in the lead and they're still just trying to like mess with the possession battle or knowing that player X is just such a bad for like Ben Simmons, for example, like if there's a way to put him at the foul line, you just know that that offensive possession is going to be submarine for the team. Like maybe you could look at it that way, but I do think there's a place for, um, deliberate fouling, especially later in games. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's stupid for that exact reason. You got to give the team that's behind like something it can do. You know, it's just it's the only tool you have at your disposal. If there's not enough time on the clock and you're down two possessions, you just have to create more possessions by fouling. The other thing is like the league has sort of done some of this with with into, like hacka players type stuff because now you know you can only get away with that up to a certain point in the clock. Now I can't remember what that what the cutoff is. Um, and that seems fine, but like, you're just taking away a tool for the team. You, you take the drama out of the game. If the team that's behind is doubly penalized for fouling intentionally. Uh, so I, I, I can't get with that one. Would you be in favor of them allowing away from the ball fouls later in games? Because would it have to increase the amount of thought that goes behind who you're putting on the court in crunch time? Or is that just, is that stupid? <laughs> well, no, I kind of like the idea of, if you're Dwight Howard or whatever, and you're valuable to your team, but there's this one thing you can't do, you know, it's not like the guy, like the 5'11 point guard gets some special rule that, you know, negates his height disadvantage. Like Howard, you know, and whoever, whoever, Steven Adams can't shoot free throws. Like that's part of your makeup. If a team is not trying to strategically exploit that, like that's on them. I, I think, I think there is, it's almost like sporting. It's like the right way to operate. If a player can't do a thing that you should be allowed to capitalize on that. This uh, one, this one ahead. is, Oh, what'd you say? I said, go ahead. I couldn't remember who was up. Oh yeah. I think it's me. So let's go. This one is, this is, I'm glad that you have to take this one first. Free throw should not be shot in the moment. They should be tallied up and then shot all at once at the end of each quarter to add pressure. I did not wear shout out real syrup 22 19. So what's let's so what do you accomplish with this? You you won, you speed the game up in the actual like non-free throw bonanza portion of each quarter, I guess. Uh, because yeah. you're not stopping. But what happens when like you like the play it stopped because of the you know what I mean? Like you're just so yeah. you get fouled. You just inbound it, I guess, right away. But so then the other thing is there's live ball rebounds. The possession still dies is what you're saying. And then you just, you move on to the next, like, do you, so the other team still gets possession after committing the foul that maybe I'm just like getting too old and can't envision that dramatic of a change. Well, that's not even the main reason for me that this is stupid. The, there's a couple other ones. One is like guys need to rest during free throws. Like that's, that's a huge factor is like, you know, all of these stoppages are what allow the best players in the league to play 35, 40 minutes. And if you don't have these stoppages for free throws, you're just going to have the best players probably off the floor a lot more. So that's bad for the product. The other thing is like, 
if it's if it's televised, so then do you tune in at the end of each quarter to watch like 25 free throws being shot? That's not interesting. And then you also like Jimmy is not going to be the same player who's shooting them either. And so like you have to cycle through like oh that's so boring. If you're in the arena, you have to watch this. And the main thing is like you turn the end of the fourth, the end of the game into a free throw contest. That's like what it becomes, you know, and you, you lose the drama of, Oh my God, this guy got fouled with his team down one and there's three tenths of a second left. He can tie or win the game at the line. You lose that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I love, I love the, um, the ambition of this suggestion, but it is stupid. <laughs> I'll put uh, you by the way. <laughs> is it like the anti Elam ending? Whatever it is, well, if the Elam ending is designed to always end on a game winner, this is the opposite. Yeah. So just, <laughs> just free throws. Because then you'd have a team get mathematically eliminated. Like if they were down by seven points, but they only had five free throws left to shoot, we just stop. <laughs> How do you, you couldn't, well, you couldn't implement both, obviously. Like that couldn't. That no, couldn't no, no, no. You, you yeah. They're like antithetical. You couldn't have yeah. both. Um, all right. Moving on to non-free throw based uh, questions. Uh, the NBA should adopt the international rules allowing players to touch the ball as soon as it hits the rim. So offensive goaltending is allowed. That is absolutely positively fucking something. Yeah. Inject this into my veins. I don't even have it. Just that would make the game more entertaining and make blocks more fun. And just like, you know what, DeAndre, like maybe you don't take the little jump hook in transition. Like maybe you go up and try and finish with force around the rim. The other thing that's good is like, it does put, like bigs are devalued, right? Like conventional, like big, strong centers are devalued. Like suddenly if you're just the tallest guy out there and you can carve out space and you're allowed to just tip in everything in the cylinder, like that guy's more valuable. So you have just a more diverse, then suddenly everybody, every team's not looking for the same type of player. Like there's value in a different kind of player that is currently like centers. Just it's this, the oldest song in the world right now, just, there's no, there's no value unless you're an elite spacer or a switch defender. Now, I don't know, Hassan Whiteside's back in the league all of a sudden because he's just <laughs> tall and huge and has long arms and can offensively goaltend. I'm, I'm in. That's something. Uh, this next one is in arena music and sound effects should not be allowed during play. That's something or that's stupid. Is this like like the town in Footloose where there's no dancing allowed? It's illegal. Uh this feels this feels puritanical. This is, this is a hill that I think the athletics Dave Dufour has died on where I believe I don't want to misspeak on his behalf that he does not want like he doesn't like having the inner arena music. He likes hearing just the that and they tried that like they've tried it before. Like you'd rather yeah. just hear the sounds of the game. It, so this is kind of something. And I think like if you're watching the game on TV, it's fine because you have commentary, you have ad reads happening, you have all this other stuff that's ancillary to the game that's like a value add. So I don't need I don't need, you know, 17 different like five, 10 second songs being played or, or you know, artificial pumped in noise chants like that type of thing. I could do without that. But if you're in the arena, I don't know, man, like it's supposed to be like this big loud experience. All these teams like sell the, you know, it's a great time to come down here and there's also basketball being played. If you want to watch that cool, like otherwise here's the halftime show and all the t-shirt cannon and all that stuff. Um, it's halfway to something. Cause I get it. Like it is obnoxious in a like tight game down the stretch of like this stupid, like, you know, charge chant or whatever starts to happen. I, I don't need that. 
I would also say that I know it might be cool and you could probably pick it up while you're on television, of course, if you're sitting closer to hear players and coaches talking, but you're not going to get that same experience if you're up in the upper decks or even just like further away. And so the thing that you could look at is like, there's got to be the, like we, we know there's the tech. I'm not saying mic up every player, but use directional mics or something. And then you can cut up sounds of the game to play them in the arena and maybe go back like during sort of those game breaks instead of watching like the t-shirt toss. If you're looking for sort of a, a different feel or more of a technical like experience, I would rather that than just get rid of like the, the ambiance altogether. It's not because I love the music, mm-hmm. but like it's cool hearing fans chant and like, you're not, or is there just going to be a defense chant without like that music playing or the directive on the, the or is it going to be a silent directive on like the, the jumbotron? It would just be too, too awkward for me. And so I, it's kind of something I get like trying to change up the experience, but it's also, I think it's like stupid. I'm, I'm sure I'm stealing this idea, but I can't remember who it comes from. So sorry, but I think, and the NBA would just like fold before it ever agreed to do this, but there should be an option. Just say like on league pass where it's like, there's this tier of subscription level where you can pay $10,000 a year, like some insane number, a hundred thousand dollars. And you get what you're talking about, like full mic'd up everything, I don't know how you do it with like giving away strategic secrets, but I would love to know like what uh, I don't know. John Morant is saying to just to like to Alex Caruso as he's dribbling the ball up, just like, I'm going to fucking wreck you. Just like, just to hear <laughs> the real trash talk, like the conversations, like all that stuff. I think there's like, I don't know what the cost of that would be. Like if, if it were even semi-realistic, which it's not, but can you imagine how entertaining it would be if you could just hear the strategy talk, the shit talking, the like, just all of the all of the on-court stuff would be just the best. But the league would, someone would say a horrible thing in like the first quarter of the first game, and the league would just not ever be allowed to do it. <laughs> That's a good point too. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, bank shots are cooler than swishes. Discuss. Uh, I think that's like something it, like deliberate bank shots. It feels like there's more of a, a craft and skill to like what Tim Duncan yep. could do for sure. So I'm going to say that's something, but the fact that I guess they can both be accidental, but like accidental swishes are cooler than like the, the, you know, straight away above the break three point bank shot. And so I just, I don't know. There's more of like who calls, how how often does someone call swish like during the middle of the game? Like someone might call bank is more likely to call bank in the the middle of the game. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with that. I think there's more of a there's there's more of a craft to it. And like, look, if you can bank in a shot from the corner, even if it's actually, that's obviously accidental, but that that's like that's cooler to see than just like oh another swish from the corner. Yeah, I I think it's something with qualifiers. Tim Duncan for sure. Scotty Pippen used to bank him in from really far. And I do also really like when they slow it down and they'll show you like on a, like a, I don't know, a small guard making a layup where the, it, he banks it in, but it's like all the way up at the top of the board. He'd had to like hook it over somebody. And it's a really like difficult, intentional close range bank. I like those. Those are good. Who's the best bank shot shooter in the league right now? Do you know the answer to every, who's the best XXXX shooter in the league right now is Steph. So it's probably Steph. <laughs> 
Fair enough. Uh, the NBA should reinstitute the hand check. That's something or that's stupid. That's stupid. Uh, offensive freedom and like talented scorers running around unobstructed is like the reason that the product right now is a thousand times more entertaining and skill based than it was in like even oh three oh four when just teams were scoring eighty five points a game in playoff games. Um, yeah, I think this. Like, I get it. You you want, like, defense to matter more, I guess, or something. But, like, the NBA is still a product that needs to be sold. Like, it's so easy to forget that. And this is a more marketable product when guys can run around and drive to the basket and shoot. And, like, that's just that's just better to look at. So I'm going stupid on that one. I'm going stupid as well, basically, for all the reasons that you just said. Yeah. Nobody's ever, like, romanticized. God, you remember when you know tracy mcgrady and the magic outdueled somebody and he had 32 points and orlando scored 79 in the game and one by four like that's just that sucks nobody likes that. and i do wonder if just like the way that offenses are run now with the reliance or the embrace of three-point shooting would even just I, I think hand checking would still matter but like what is the consequence of reinstituting hand checking right now is it you know more players just pulling up from just inside the timeline yeah. Do we want that? Well, I kind of want that, but who's the best defender and which defensive player benefits most if hand checking is legal and why is it PJ Tucker? Oh, you think it's PJ Tucker? Really? I don't know if he can just hold you and you can't go around him. I mean, he sort of does that already, but I guess that'd be a good pick, but like, I don't know. I don't I don't have an answer to that one. I don't know who, trying to think who just, I mean, Drew Holiday would probably be even, it basically make the really good defenders even better because they already sort of part of being a great perimeter defender is like getting away with some of it still. So if you just could do it to the if end, we had hand checking and flopping for Marcus smart. Like, I don't know that I'd oh. ever be able to watch the Celtics again. He'd foul every team out in like the <laughs> second quarter. You touch him, you touch him. He just like, like he's, you know, been catapulted. Um, this is our last one. Uh, Every team having new jerseys every year will have negative effects on the league in the long run. Yeah. I, I, I think because I think we're already sort of seeing the negative effects because they're so uninventive for mm. the most part that we literally slobber when they bring these uh, retro jerseys back, yeah. like go to the throwbacks and like they are, there's an appreciation for that nostalgia, but like, if you're going to have so many new, new jerseys, it dilutes just what the jerseys actually mean, how many you could remember, how many become staples. And then also when the designs, I think when all these jerseys are released, there's like more than half of them are just overwhelmingly blah. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm talking to you, Nick's, but just, <laughs> so just like, I'd like to see fewer alternates themed jerseys and like, let's focus more on being like creative with them or something that's different and something that you're actually going to, remember and maybe want to make a staple and they also kind of just like disappear like we've seen different yeah. iterations of the miami vice jerseys but like there's like is anything ever gonna be like what was the best they've they've had a few good ones so like that's probably a bad example but like let's bring back the uh was that the the baby blue miami vice jersey with like what was the one that was just oh awesome? yeah with like the pink there's a pink yeah. black and like powder blue those are sweet and I, have they worn those in the last like year or two i don't i can't remember I don't think so, but like you again, the like serial killer lettering this year. First of all, I actually I like that just because I thought that was it looked like a ransom note. But like we literally just underscored, and maybe we're idiots. We just underscored the entire. Point. We're like, well, have they worn that one in the last two years? What what season was that? And so yeah. I get having alternates. But like, do you have to change them up every year? Or can you have like, can we get it to where it's okay? You have your home, you're away, 
there's the staple alternate. And then you can either have like, you try out a different alternate or there's a throwback and then that's just it. Yeah. It's like a, it's a, it's a constant, it's a symptom of like the more is more thing where it used to be, remember how big a deal it used to be when a team changed its jerseys or like, I can just, I know where I was in the first person I talked to when the Warriors went to the God awful, like burnt orange and, you know, thunder themed jerseys. And everybody was like, these are terrible. And then like eight years later, they changed them finally. But it, it used to be a big deal and it feels like they're just trying stuff now. And some of them are cool. Like I saw the Blazers last night, they had the black and green jerseys and it doesn't look anything like the Blazers. And it was kind of like jarring, but like, will we see those? I, I like, I don't remember seeing those before. I'm sure they've worn them a couple times. It's just like, it, it'd be cool if when a team did bust out an alternate, it was a, it was like a big deal. And instead of just, every team is just, you know, has 17 different iterations to, to wear this year. And like, they can sometimes look like, uh, like from different franchises where it's like, okay, Celtic, yeah. like, great. You look like the supersonics for a night. Congratulations. <laughs> or the colors are totally backwards. And it's, it's like, when did the Grizzlies become like the Pittsburgh Steelers or like what? It just like, it doesn't make any sense sometimes. And it's also where it feels like other teams, they actually won't change them up that much. They like try to find different excuses to roll out the same iteration of their, their alternates where it's like, so to use the, uh, the Knicks as an example, like we're always just not like, Oh, these city edition jerseys, they're going to say like, Oh, here's what the meaning is behind this, but they're always just going to be all black. And like, yeah, that's what right. we're going to do for that. So, right. um, you, so you get creative in ways to like sort of spin it, but like the actual design is not all that creative. I was just going to say, I do kind of like the warriors, uh, new ones that they've been wearing. They wore them last night. But it's like, those are just all black too. <laughs> it's just like, that's always the move and it's not that cool. Um, oh, I have one more I'd like to add to this. And this is going to end up being its own episode. This was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. That's something or that's stupid. The NBA should move free agency ahead of the draft. Okay. So what happens then? Because then, so then I'm, I'm, I have to talk it out. So then you're drafting more, you have a better idea of what you need type of thing, or you have a better idea. I think, I think that's something just because then you know what your team is going into the draft and you might be more apt to make draft night trades and that would be more exciting. Um, so I could see the value add there. Um, I don't know. What else do you get out of that? I guess I'm going something. What, what do you think? I think it's stupid because I kind of like the idea of you're making, I don't want to see teams sort of inform their draft picks based on what they've done in free agency. And I think we'd see more of that from teams that don't know how to run their franchise. I don't think it would be at the scale of, Oh, the fucking magic wouldn't have taken Paolo Bancaro because they were able to resign uh Bobo this, this summer. Like they wouldn't be on that, that type of a scale, but I like the idea of having that like, oh, teams are sort of maneuvering inside the old league calendar in anticipation of free agency. And there's that unknownness to what should make free agency more eventful. But given the way that free agency is gone, it's sort of just like that might even make free agency less entertaining if it's happening before the draft now. So and there, there could just be changes to free agency in general in the new collective bargaining agreement. But I get it from a team building perspective of, Oh, you have a better idea of you're looking at taking flyers. Um, and if you guaranteed me that draft night trades then would be more just 
uh, I guess, like, more frequent. I, I suppose I'd support that. But then we get all the dumbass, like, awkward pictures of more of those, like, the players wearing, like, the hat of the team that drafted <laughs> them. And it's – so I guess you reset then, though, the league calendar at that point. And so it's like, would would they actually trade be official immediately then? It's like, how would that work? It seems like right now the way it's set up seems to sort of make sense. And then what you're also kind of doing is how does that work with, because trades are happening after the draft. I guess that stays the same where it's they're trading that. No, you're still going to have the players being in the wrong team's hats because you're going to want to trade that player as an actual salary still so that you can maybe also trade the upcoming first round pick. I, I kind of like the mystery of, oh, we're going through the draft first. Does this impact free agency at all? Does it not impact free agency at all? Um, so I guess like it could make it easier for you to pick for other teams and facilitate trades that way if you went through free agency first. But I also think like for certain teams that are on the fringes, like seeing who falls to you uh, might actually be and who you pick up, like that might actually be more valuable to how you go about your off season, including the free agency process. Yeah. I'm changing my answer. I was trying to be positive and call it something. I feel like you tricked me. Uh, it's stupid. And the other reason is, so you're doing free because the draft, like the finals end and then the draft is like, bang, it's right there. So then you're doing free agent negotiations. while like, however many teams are still in the conference, you know, semis and the conference finals and the finals, like you got to end it and then have, there's, there's really no realistic way to have free agent negotiations when, some large percentage of the league is like still actually playing. <laughs> and, and then, and then also what are we going to do in July? If there's a free agency is over before the draft, like we got nothing to do. This is a job security question. We need well, to I guess able- you would probably push back the draft would be my guess. No, this in my hypothetical, it stays exactly where it is. And that's why it's a bad well, idea. Well, the other thing is just like, well, how far would you even push it back? Because like free agency can have like this. We all know like 90% of the moves seem like they're reported before free agency even starts. So I guess free agency has been truncated a little bit, but it's like, there is a trickle effect to things. And like, if teams are like, so I like, would that make it so free agency all of a sudden has to be done now by let's say July, by, by July 1st. Like, yeah. and it's like, like, it's just over. And then you're right. Like, even if you're pushing back the draft, it's like, Oh, we lost like two weeks of interesting shit. At right. least. And then also how does that impact summer league? Cause like you need those teams to be like, are we pushing back summer league? Or are we just rushing the process for these guys who are already probably in being like shell shocked by like the, you know, the freneticness of, of an NBA schedule. So it's all of a sudden like you're shuttling them off to, to summer league even, even more quickly. Um, or we you know, So that, that would be another thing to consider. Yeah. And if I'm a rookie too, like this matters less to me for free agents, but if I'm a rookie, I want as much time to like get to where I'm going to be and get acclimated as I can. So I want the draft first, just so I can, I mean, like, that's such a crazy, like, you know, chaotic time, I imagine, for especially the top handful of picks. Like, just pushing that back farther so that the the lag time between you got picked by a team and you're playing opening night, like, shrinks. I feel like that's probably a negative, too. And also, you if people are worried about how broadcasts miss the plot of games, you think if teams go through free agency first, like, ESPN's not only going to be talking about, like, oh, you know, the Charlotte Hornets just overpaid for – Gordon Hayward again. And like, that's going to be the talking more for them instead of focusing on the draft pick and the impact that, that yeah. they're going to have. Like you talk about missing the plot. Uh, it's going to be like, Oh, uh, is Le- LeBron just signed with this team to, to play with Bronny? Is he going to want them to keep who they just selected at number 12 or whatever it is. So you want to like, 
you want the the broadcast, the league, the partners, the analysts to focus on what's actually happening. Yeah, uh, we're not talking as much now about oh, like this team. Yeah, they might mention the cap space they have going this summer, but it's not. You know, this year we're not going to talk about like oh, who's going to be signing uh, uh, Gary Trent Jr. If, like that's not going to be like the because he opted or Fred Van Fleet because he opted out of his contract. Um, or is this team a suitor for Kyrie Irving, even though they just drafted X? it would be more along the lines of like, well, how does he fit with Kyrie Irving? Let's have a five minute discussion on Kyrie Irving. So I, I think it's stupid. Yeah, we agree. I came around. Uh, are you ready to, that's it. Unless you have anything else you want to get, get off your chest here. This was a very, this isn't going to all be put out in the sub hour 30 minute, but like we did like 85 minutes. It felt like very frenetic or hectic in a, in a refreshing way. I agree. I think that worked well. We'll have to do it again. Um, less preparation is better. It turns out. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to take us out. You ready for me to take us out? I think we've done all the damage we can do. Yeah, we're. I'm ready to. I'm ready to buy you taking us out. I okay. wouldn't sell you taking. I'm, us I'm out. ready to. I'm ready to sell me remembering all the things I usually say. But uh, anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, please, uh, as Dan said at the top, remember to rate, review, subscribe, get all those Knicks downvotes out of uh, out of there. I don't know how you do that, but give like six star reviews on on Apple. Uh, that'd be great. Uh, tell your friends word of mouth still helps. Make sure if you are not following us or the pod on socials to rectify that. We, If you're watching us on YouTube, they are down there in your bottom right corner. Otherwise, we are at Hardwood Knox on Twitter, at Hardwood underscore Knox on Instagram, Hardwood Knox on TikTok, and just you know, search Hardwood Knox wherever and subscribe wherever it allows you to do that. Uh, as we do every time, I would like to give a shout out on Dan's behalf and also sort of mine to the one and only Frank Nilakina. And also apologize to Jared Allen, who got no mentions at all in this whole podcast.